0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 1. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: Don't you understand, God does not care whether you have drums in your church or not. I honestly believe this. God has got bigger and better things to do to be concerned with whether somebody is beating a drum or not. Somebody clap their hands if you agree. (laughs) Goodness gracious. People, uh, people stupid. Stupid. As if God sees a church that got drums, God looks down at the church and goes, ooh, man, ooh, they got drums. Man, Holy Holy Spirit, son, we're going to talk. We're going to figure something out here. Is about as stupid as, I want to say, 50, 75 years ago when you had the first Baptist Church of Raleigh, true story, at the time there were all white people that attended that church, and then some of the white people began to bring some of the black people to church, and some of the other white people thought, hey, we can't be going to church with black folks. And then the black people got offended because they weren't welcome at that church. And so the black people went to start the first black Baptist Church of Raleigh, and you had the first white Baptist Church of Raleigh. Did anybody say to them, listen, Jesus died to break down the walls that separated the Jew and the Gentile, the male and the female, the barbarian and the Scythian, the black and the white, the blood of Jesus brings down that wall. Now we're one body in Jesus Christ. We don't have to split over that. Don't you agree? Don't you agree? And I tell you once a million times, the one thing I love about this church We don't care what color people are. Amen. I'm going to wait while you clap. I'm going to wait. Who cares? Let me tell you something. If the person to your right or to your left believes in Jesus Christ, I don't care what color they are. They are your brother and they are your sister. They will be in heaven with you like it or not. Now, wave at me if you agree. Wave at me if you agree. you understand that. Amen. You know, some people, oh, I ain't going to be in heaven with no black with no black, with no black, with no black folks. Y'all know Pastor Rodney keep it real. You know that, don't you? When I was in Jersey and Philly speaking to eight different churches, seven different churches, them folks didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> it took them half of the my message just to figure out what, what in the world is weird. What is, what is, what? He's He's crazy. We're going to be in heaven together. Amen. Black people are going to be in heaven together. And I can tell you something, if you don't like a different race, I know God got a sense of humor. Ain't <laughs> that, wave at me, my people, wave at me, wave at me, just for the fun of it. You know, God got a sense of humor. You don't like, you don't like a certain race, God will put you in heaven right next to that person. You say, I I can, I can, I mean, white people are all right, but you know, I don't know about all that. When you get to heaven, guess what? Somebody white gonna be standing right there. You don't like black folks? You don't like people that have joy and have fun and black women? I pray the Lord put me right next to you. (laughs) I'm gonna drive you crazy for eternity. (laughs) No! (laughs) Not him! Anybody, Lord, just not him, not him, not him. Because that's the kind of God we serve. God is just like that. He died for the sins of the world. He didn't die for a group of people. He didn't die for a denomination. Denominationalism is not of the Lord. That's why when people ask me, what am I? I tell them I am a Christian. They go, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know. But what are you? Let's see. C H R or I am a C. I am a C H. I am a C H R I S T I A N. And I have C H R I S T in my H E A R T. And I will L I B E E T E R N A L L Y. I am a C. There. I'm just trying to break it down for you. Man, God's not denominational. We need to be Christians. By the way, I spelled I'm a Christian and I'm going to live eternally. In case y'all didn't... Some of y'all are like... Lord Jesus, help us. So, if man had anything to do with the origin of the gospel works would be involved. So they came up with the Mishnah. Then they came up with the, Torah, with, the, with the Talmud, which explained the Mishnah, which explained the Torah. And Paul, get this, was an expert in all of these matters. Everyone knew that Paul was brilliant. Gamaliel, who was he? Paul's teacher. He said his only problem with Paul was he couldn't keep him in enough books. Paul says, listen, he got his revelation from Jesus. He didn't get it from man. He didn't get it from a seminary. And we know that's true because, listen, if Paul or any other man had come up with the gospel, it wouldn't be the gospel. We know the gospel isn't of human origin Because here, here's another reason why we know it. Because it's too simple. It's too simple. I mean, think about it like this. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. God the Father sent God the Son to the earth in the form of a baby. God comes to the earth as a baby, he lives as a man, he wins hearts with his love, stirs souls with his teaching, marvels minds with his miracles, he's betrayed by one of his followers, he's brutally beaten, he's crucified, he dies, he's buried... Count it, three days later, he rose again, ascended to heaven, and the only thing that he wants from us is to give, for us to give our hearts to him that we might be saved from our sins. That is the gospel. Period. That is too simple. If man came up with it, you got to throw something in there. You got to do something. You can't just believe. That's it. Receive him in your heart as Lord and Savior. That's it. You you, you, ain't, you, ain't, you don't have to tithe? No. Yeah, I mean, it's a nice thing. But do you have to in order to be saved? No. Don't add anything to the grace of God. See, it's too simple. That's all God wants. It sounds crazy. So if the gospel were, in human, were, were uh, uh, of human origin, there'd be rules. There'd be regulations. You couldn't smoke or chew or go with girls who do. I'm not advocating these things. I'm just telling you. Salvation would be based on works and not grace. So at the end of the day, then we can say that we deserve it. God intentionally, listen to me close. God intentionally kept this whole salvation thing independent of your works because he knew that if you had anything to do with it, you would brag about it. Yeah, you would. Well, I deserve salvation. After all, I'm a good person. I helped the Jerry's kids. I deserve to be saved. God says no. No. I'm going to keep this independent of you. How do you know that, Rodney? Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace are you saved. Can you help me? For by grace are you saved through faith. Can you help me? It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Period. It has nothing to do with you. And God intentionally Kept it out of our hands. The gospel, the emphasis in the gospel is what God did, not what I did. And that's why Paul can say with authority, the message that I am preaching is the yardstick by which every other message is compared because it wasn't of human origin. Paul didn't invent it. He learned the gospel from Jesus himself. It came by revelation. And by the way, listen, that's how it always comes. It came by revelation to you, too. January 23rd, 1982, 7.30 p.m., San Diego Street, Oceanside, California. I had a revelation and gave my life to Jesus Christ because he quickened my mind. He quickened my spirit. And I woke up the next morning with a revelation that the sky was blue. I'm sure the sky's always been blue, but I had been on drugs since I was nine years old, so I guess I never saw it. And I had a revelation that the brown dirt was brown. And I'll never forget the 24th of January, 1982. I was going to church. That was the morning that I've been saved for nine hours. We got out of church late that night before. Just thought y'all might want to know that. And I'm going to church. Church. I looked at the, I had never seen, God open my eyes, a revelation, God opened my eyes and the green grass was green, the uh, walking across the parking lot, the brown dirt was brown. I started crying. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, that dirt is so brown. God is so good. I'm like, oh my God, you're a good God, you're a good God, you're a good God. You're a good God. You know you cry when you go, God. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. i never seen it. You can't get saved without a revelation. Somebody say amen. You can't get saved. So Paul says, I wasn't ordained by men, but by God, I was called to give a message that should never be tampered with. And if someone tampers with it, they should be eternally damned. Paul says with his message. I'm not trying to please men. I'm trying to please God. And then Paul, look at verse 13 in your Bibles. Paul illustrates that by using his own life. He says, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism and how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. I mean, think about that. Paul tried to destroy the church and you first meet Paul in the Bible. If you're taking notes, Bible students, Acts chapter 7, you first meet Paul. And at that time, his name was what? Saul. Very good. And he was standing there at the stoning of Stephen. And Stephen preaches this amazing message. He's going through the Old Testament scriptures concerning the Messiah. And then Stephen ends that message saying that you crucified him. Well, then in chapter 8, we learn that Saul was consenting to the death of Stephen. That word consent means to be in full agreement. It was at this point in Acts chapter 8 that Paul was on a rampage and he's going to destroy this new religious group, these followers of Jesus. Well, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13, it was Paul himself who said what he was doing, he did it ignorantly and he did it in unbelief. Paul was a bigot prior to getting saved He was a fanatic who gave his life to Judaism and to the persecution of the church. But in Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus, you know the story, don't you? Jesus showed up and Paul's life was changed. It has never been the same before. He experienced the grace of God. Saints, listen, if you ever want to know, listen, look at me. Look, if you ever want to know, is grace real? You know, this whole grace thing, like God did did it all and you had nothing to do with it and, God loves you just because he loves you and because of his grace. If you ever have any doubts, ever, 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 listen, this is important. All you have to do is open up the Bible, look in the New Testament. Matter of fact, just anywhere, Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament. So just open up and start reading and you will find God's grace written all over it because if anybody in all of the world that God clearly demonstrated his grace toward, it would be Saul, Paul, the apostle. It's one thing to be a robber, It's another thing to be a prostitute. God has saved robbers. He saved thieves from the cross. He saved a woman caught in the act of adultery. He saves prostitutes. God shows his grace to all kinds of people, but it is a great display of God's grace to show it to Paul, the apostle who was killing God's kids. Do you understand? He's killing God's children and God showed him grace. And then in verse 14, look at it. Paul reminds him of his relationship to the Jewish religion. He says, I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my peers in his own nation. He was more zealous for the traditions than his father's. And Paul is saying, for me to say this now, there had to be a change in my life. And then in verse 15 and 16, Paul said, there came a day when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace from my mother's womb and revealed himself. To Paul that he must go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles and so Paul told them of his conversion he told them of his testimony and now he's gonna talk to them about his training in verse 16 and 17 would you look at that Paul says I did not consult with flesh and blood in other words Paul is saying when I got saved I didn't go to the pastor when I got saved I didn't go to the deacon board when I got saved I didn't go up to Jerusalem to the Apostles He says, I went up into the deserts of Arabia and then came to Damascus. You see, Paul didn't need to go to the pastor. Paul didn't need to go to the deacon board because he got his revelation directly from Jesus. Do you understand? Say amen. Amen. Paul went into Arabia and it was in the desert, get this, of Arabia that Paul got his DD. What's that, Rodney? Doctor of Divinity? No, a doctrine of the desert. Do you know? I believe this more often than not. I've said this three services. Thank you, Lord, you reminded me. Do you know? I believe that more often than not, now listen to me, when God is going to use your life and God is going to do something with you, powerful and impacting, you have to go through a desert experience before God can use you. You understand? You have to. John the Baptist did. Moses did. Spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. John the Baptist, as I said, Jesus himself spent time in the desert. And it was during those years that Paul was reading, or should I say rereading, Isaiah 53. For he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and by his stripes we are here. He's saved now in the desert. And now Isaiah 53 means something very different than prior to his salvation. Am I talking to myself? He's rereading Isaiah 53. He's rereading Jonah. Jonah. Three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, he is rereading the law and looking at the lamb that was sacrificed and wondering at the grace of Jesus. And it's during those three years that, listen, Paul's understanding of the gospel began to formulate. And his theology of the body of Christ and the walls coming down and this whole racism thing, God began to clean out all that junk in his life. Because prior to getting saved, Paul thought that Gentiles were created to make hell hot as fuel for the flames of hell. So if you're here and you're Jewish, I'm not talking to you. But if you're not Jewish, then Paul felt prior to his salvation that you were created, that I was created. I'm not Jewish, I'm black. No! Did y'all notice what gave it away prior to Paul getting saved? He thought all Gentiles were just simply fodder for the flames of hell. But in the desert, God began to deal with Paul. God began to teach Paul. That's why I tell you seminary is good, but don't think seminary is going to prepare you for ministry. Would you please say amen? Seminary cannot ordain you. God ordains you. Seminary, don't say, something ain't no wrong. Where they go to seminary, fine. Spend forty thousand dollars, or you can just come here and I'll give it to you for twenty. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's just a joke. But 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 Paul Paul began to learn Jesus in the desert, and his theology began to change and things began to come together well in verses 18 through 24. Then after three years, you, just look at him. After three years, Paul went and he met with Peter and briefly with James, did y'all see this? James, the brother of who? Jesus. In other words, listen, Mary was not a perpetual virgin. Now, we're just going to leave that alone. I just want to kind of put that in there on the side. We'll leave that alone. Jesus had brothers and sisters. You might want to look at Mark 13, 55. Jesus had brothers and sisters. And think about that. I mean, to grow up in the house with Jesus, God is your brother. Think about that. And James didn't know it. He didn't know it. I tell you what, if I was God and I was James' brother, he would have knew it. <laughs> I would have told him. Yeah, I would have told. Uh, yes, I would have. I'd said, look, let me. Let's just. We just need to get this all straight. The last bowl of cereal in the box belongs to me. <laughs> okay, and uh, there's a few other things we need to get straight. Okay, I'm running this. <laughs> all right. James didn't even know. He probably had a clue, though. He probably wondered why. He always got in trouble, but Jesus never did. He probably was wondering, how come everywhere Jesus goes, he's glowing? I mean, he probably was wondering, like, every place he goes, there's, like, music following him. Like, in the movies, everywhere Jesus is, there's, like, "Ah!" Everywhere he goes, it's like he's glowing and floating and there's music. There must be something special about him. I don't know. Could it be? Could be. Growing up in a house with God, I mean, think about that. I tell you what, though, you ever ever want a picture of grace, you look at Paul the apostle. Peter the denier, Paul the persecutor, both forgiven, both saved, and both used of God. The greatest proof of the power and the authenticity of the gospel is the lives that have been changed and transformed by his power. The greatest proof. You know, we think, well, if somebody's healed, that's a great proof of the power of God. Partly. But doctors can give you medicines and heal you as well. Well, resurrection, if somebody rises from the grave, that's a great proof. Yeah, that is, that's a great proof. But I'll tell you what's even even a better proof, a changed life. You cannot argue about a changed life. You can argue about somebody resurrected. You can say, hey, you know what? They died for a few minutes, they went flatline, and then they came back. You could argue that. You could argue it. But you cannot argue my changed life in Christ. How are you going to argue the fact that I used to be this way, but now I'm this way? How are you going to argue the fact that Friday I left work and I was like, I used to, I was in the Navy. I used to cuss like a sailor. I mean, yeah, that phrase came from me. I mean, I, honestly, I was horrible. Friday, I went to church on Saturday. Gave my life to Christ on a Saturday. I came back to work on Monday. I was like, woo. People were like, what in the world happened to you? I walked it. I told you, I'm going to let y'all go. And, you know, in closing. You know what it means when a preacher says in closing? Nothing, nothing absolutely nothing. <laughs> <I> told, <laughs> I'm just joking. But you, I told y'all the, the the Monday that I had gotten saved, I had been saved for two and a half days. I walked in the office and there was like eight people in there. I said, everybody, listen up. Hello. Let me have your attention, just like I do now. Give me your attention. Look at me. I said, I just want you all to know over the weekend, my life has been changed. I am now a Christian and I am going to heaven. And I want you all to know that you are all going to hell. (laughs) I was dead serious. I was, they were like, They were like, what is, what if you've been taken? You took something over the weekend and it really messed you up, man. You ain't coming back from this. I was like, no, man, I'm telling I got saved. You cannot argue with the fact that my life has been changed ever since. I have not stopped talking. Don't y'all say amen. <laughs> Again, that's not amenable. I have not stopped talking about Jesus since then. I've been talking about Jesus and telling people of the goodness of God ever since. You can't argue with a changed life. And if you want to see the power of God, then you look for a changed life. Only God can change the heart. Only God can get to those places deep down in your heart where no man can get to. No one can speak to. Only God, only the Holy Spirit can touch you right in that area and cause you to give your life to Christ and automatically, just like that, transfer you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, just like that. Only God can do that. I'm going to wait. That's okay. Only God can do that. And God wants to do that. God did it with Paul. He did it with me. And he wants to do it with you.